This episode of Policing Matters is brought to you by Lexipol, the experts in policy, training, wellness support, and grants assistance for first responders and government leaders. To learn more, visit Lexipol.com. That's L-E-X-I-P-O-L.com. Welcome back to Policing Matters on PoliceOne.com. I am your host, Jim Dudley. Hey, thanks for checking in and hopefully you're listening or maybe you're watching on YouTube. Just go to YouTube and type in Policing Matters and you can see me and my guests and you can probably see some graphics and some follow-up information. So check us out. Well, we know that force is inevitable in law enforcement situations with non-compliant suspects. Police officers know how to use de-escalation, but sometimes voice commands are not effective in dealing with subjects under the influence of alcohol or drugs, or if they're in some sort of mental health crisis. De-escalation does not work when a suspect flees. So what are your options? Well, I discovered the BOLA wrap a couple of years ago at the FBI National Academy Conference in Orlando, and I thought how useful it would be in situations. Today, our guest is Kevin Mullins from Wrap Technologies to explain how it works and why it may be a good option for your agency. Well, welcome to Policing Matters, Kevin Mullins. Uh, Jim, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, good to have you. Well, tell us about how RAP works and how it may be used. Sure. I'm going to a little bit of a history. Um, bull RAP, the concept really, um, you think about what it, the tools are on an officer's belt uh, from a compliance standpoint and what all of those tools are designed for. And they're designed for some form of compliance, but it's it's normally through a pain uh, you know, to being able to push an individual into the direction that you want them to ultimately go. The design of the, the bowler wrap is very different. So it's a non-pain, non-injurious tool. It's a device that an officer would carry. A device deploys a seven and a half foot Kevlar cord. It has two small anchors on the end of that Kevlar cord that will just simply wrap an individual. So there's a sight and a surprise and there's a sound and a sensation that will typically change the behavior of the individual. So allowing an officer to be able to either get them the help they need, if it's a mental crisis, maybe there's a crime associated, that individual needs to be arrested, but they can do it in a manner so that it has a better outcome. By better outcome, I mean the officer is not injured and the subject is not injured. We also see the vast majority of the agencies that we work with do not classify a deployment of a bowl wrap as a use of force. So it's very different. You know, we operate in that 98% of interactions that are not uses of force. And the goal is to prevent whatever that, that situation is from escalating up to the point that force would have had to have been used. Yeah, so I am, <clears throat> I'm a visual person and I, I can conceptualize what you're saying, but I'm thinking back to, uh, you know, early uh, uh, Greece and and the use of the bola or the bolo where they throw it with these two balls uh, with a cord in between and they wrap around the legs of an animal or a person and knocks them down to the ground. Same principle, right? It, yeah, it is. Basically, it's centrifugal force. Um, you know, the, 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 the Kevlar cord is coming out at about 260 miles per hour. Wow. So it's something that comes out very, very quickly. 
Again, we'll wrap the individual. The anchors will typically catch clothing. There's two very small anchors on the end. And just preventing that individual from being able to, again, to whether it's fight or to flee, um, that kind of determines the wrap zone. Typically, if someone's in a fighting prone stance and they're going to be swinging their arms and you want to wrap them somewhere near the elbows down to the wrists, so preventing them from being able to, uh, to fight you. Or if you think they may potentially flee, then you can wrap the legs. It just, it's an early and an often tool. And that's some industry that, you know, if an officer has to arrest a subject, the officer says to the subject, hey, you know, turn around and, and put your hands behind your back. And when the subject says no, what are your options at that point as the officer? It's I'm going to ask you again, or I'm going to tell you. And if the subject continues not to comply, then that's when the bowler wrap is used. And that's why we see it. it's about 85% of the time that the situation de-escalates and the officer is able to, uh, you know, to go in either, again, detain that individual, arrest that individual without anyone getting hurt. Um, and you think about the optics, Jim, you know, the optics of what are the other solutions that officers are, are carrying or think about, you know, the injury associated with whether it's, um, uh, you know, some type of gas, whether it's pepper spray, whether it's a, you know, beanbag type weapon or whether it's a CEW taser, you know, what happens when those devices are, are used? And we're not saying that the bowler app is for every situation. Uh, if a subject has a gun or they're threatening uh, with a knife, uh, bowler app's not the, not the tool to be used. But, but uh, you know, just in situations where someone's non-compliant, they're not necessarily combative, but we want to prevent that situation from, from escalating. That's when the tool is used. Yeah, great. And and you came out with a, a white paper not too long ago uh, on the need for technology and another step in force options. I think it's a great idea. I mean, we've lost a couple of force options over the last few years, mm -hmm. including a, a carotid restraint uh, in many agencies across the country. How does the wrap fit in? Well, it's, it's a great paper, great white paper. Um, we're definitely promoting. So Dr. Sheldon Greenberg, who's a professor emeritus at Johns Hopkins, um, as well as Charles DeVita, uh, who's a former deputy director at uh, Secret Service. Um, they publish a paper and it talks about whether you say use of force continuum or you say, you know, force options, force chart. I mean, every agency kind of has a different terminology for it. Most agencies know it by the use of force continuum. And it says that about 2% of interactions um, among law enforcement and subjects are those uses of force, right? And so it's actually about 1.7 is where the number is in the U.S. But there's this huge gap. There's a gap between, you know, when verbal commands break down to going hands-on. And so what's needed there, I mean, this, so there's this, you know, a need for a non-invasive tool, you know, to be able to, um, uh you know, potentially lower those numbers sitting out there, you know, and there's this missing space in there. And it's not only kind of within the continuum, but you think about all of the multiple crime types, you think about the mental health, um, basically epidemic we have in the U.S. We have 50 million Americans, 58 million Americans that are suffering some form of mental illness. And we're also seeing numbers that you're 16 times more likely to be killed by law enforcement if you have an untreated mental illness. So you think about where the breakdowns are and how those how those can escalate up, but that's what this white paper really addresses. It's the um, a, you know this growing kind of segment within the use of force continuum, and it's also a segment where we don't have the right tools and we don't have the right non-invasive tools to be able to de-escalate situations. Sure, and 
when you refer to the continuum, I, I know we wrestle with that term a lot. I mean, of course, we when we can, we should start out with uh, verbal persuasion, verbal mm -hmm. commands, go hands on, maybe tools, and then all the way up to you know potentially uh, fatal uh, force, uh, lethal force, uh, a firearm, and uh, the situation dictates uh, the use. There, there is no step of continuum. And so if an officer arrives on the scene and somebody's chasing another with a blunt object or something like that, we don't go through those first steps. We go straight to something like the wrap. Right. Right. That's, and that, that's exactly it. You know, we see that about over half the time that when a, a use of force happens, someone gets injured. So by someone, either the subject or the officer getting injured. And so being able to reduce that, and that becomes that's why the bowler wrap, it's an early and often tool mm -hmm. because it is, it's, it's non-invasive, it's non-pain, it's non-injurious. Uh, it's, it's, it typically the situation gets better and it may be just um, presenting the bowler wrap. You know, there's a seven dot laser array that appears in the majority of situations, individual will, will, will escalate down. Uh, the device does need to be deployed. There's a distraction factor, and there's also that restraint factor that ties in that will make that situation better. Mm -hmm. So what's the success been so far? I know you're international. How many agencies are using the Bola Wrap? Um, domestically in the U.S., we're in about 1,100 agencies. Um, internationally, we're in 63 countries. So we see uh, you know, the international market. Um, th there's, there's a growing expansion there, and there are multiple reasons for it. Um, when you have a lot of, of countries that don't necessarily agree with with CEW with 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 electronic electric weapons, um, you also have a large numbers of kind of crime types that where you may not have like like South American market for instance don't have a lot of capital crimes if you have a lot of petty theft and vandalism and trespassing in there so those those are kind of lower type crime types that are not um, you know not as as uh, you know, higher on kind of the 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 crime type model that put that, but um, and they're also committed by numbers of younger individuals who may be more prone to flee or more prone to not necessarily how to to deal with law enforcement, and that's that's why we're seeing that expansion there. Um, you know, domestically in the U.S., we're very we're very happy uh, with how we're growing as a company. Um, rap is changing from you know being known specifically for the bowler wrap. We have a suite of products, so becoming an enterprise solution for any agency. So not only is it Bowler App, we have our virtual reality training platform, um, Wrap Reality, and and that's not a a, a Bowler App training tool. It's a full suite of scenarios that we can run any officer through. So we have you know the shoot or no shoot type scenarios out there. Um, but we've also recently added um, a command control. So taking what happened like in Uvalde, Texas, and being able to replicate that in a VR environment. Uh, we teach a lot of verbal skills you know, within our platform. We have a generation of officers coming in that may not have the verbal skills that some of the uh, more senior officers have. So teaching them how to deal with interactions, how to deal with individuals in mental health or as bias training, duty to intervene. So we have a whole suite. We have 43 scenarios right now within our VR platform. And so it's a very effective tool. It's a very cost-effective tool for training. And then recently we've, uh, with the acquisition of Intrinsic, 
we've added body-worn cameras and digital evidence and case management and all the cloud services associated with that. So we're we're building on uh, on our technology suite to become more of an enterprise solution. Yeah, 100%. I ran through the VR uh, in Orlando and I was really impressed. I mean, I I hadn't really uh, experienced a lot of VR recently, but the scenarios were like, you know, just terrific tools. Uh, I know the knock on VR is that it's not reality and it's it's not a hands-on kind of training, but I think going through these scenarios gives the new officer or maybe even a, a veteran officer some ideas of they, what they would do in real situations by going through the repetition and the training. I think it's a great and valuable tool. It, it's it's a very good tool, you know. For that, there's you can go back and play back and review, and you can look at that. It's also a great interview tool. You have someone you want to bring in potentially, um, you know, to hire to bring onto the agency before they go to the academy. Run them through VR training, being able to kind of you know grade and understand where they are, and then look at the officer coming out. And it's very very different. Uh, we see a lot of we've had academies tell us that they have you know up to a thirty percent greater pass rate by officers that have gone through rap reality as opposed to those that haven't. And then also a higher pass rate within just weapons handling and those kinds of things. Hmm. That's great. Hey, so what have the challenges been? I would suggest, I would guess that many uh, or some may object to any type of new force options. How would you explain it to them? I'm thinking about uh, the usual critics of police force. Uh, have you gone outside law enforcement to demystify the process of, of a new force option? Yeah, it's, you know, you have to educate. It's within any time you're bringing a new technology on, you have to educate. So, right, so we have officers in the field, you know, understanding our technology, and then through the executive level, to the chief or the sheriff, to the mayor, to the city council, and ultimately even to, you know, insurance companies, you know, bond underwriters, reinsurers that are insuring those cities, and then the community, getting the community to understand that, hey, there's a there's a better tool out there. And then also getting, you know, agencies, when we sell, we typically sell against budget and belt space, right? So those are the two things we have to deal with. Everyone who sees Bowler app, they get it. It makes sense. Wow, this is this is this is wonderful. But then you have to, where do I wear it? That's always one question. And then how do I pay for it? And so so answering those questions, like one, where do I wear it? I was at a, a conference recently and we were talking to one of the chiefs there and he said, yeah, we really like the tool. We looked at it, but, but you know, I've got some skinny officers, you know, only so much room on the, on the belt space. And where, where, where do I put this? And, and that's one question that there was another chief standing behind and he kind of poked his head in and he said, Hey, you know, we're a bold app customer and I can tell you where it goes. It goes on the belt. And that, that's, that's the best answer that, that I've heard. It's just, it goes on the, the belt. And we have to look at you know, other options there. So if you're carrying a baton or maybe it's OC, a pepper spray, um, are those the right tools, you know, and, and how often are you using those tools? And you have to look like even Tyree Nichols in Memphis was a great example of where things can go wrong, right? With using a CEW and pepper spray and contamination, all of those pieces, and ultimately batons being where, where you know, our recommendation, again, it's, it's the bowler wrap is an early and often tool and should be used, you know, 10 times greater than what those other tools are being used. So, so trying to free up space on the belt. Uh, we also have multiple carry options. So whether it's Molly, load bearing vest, or 
you know, thigh, drop thigh, on the belt, you know, different types of mounting options. We tried to address all of those questions, but the key is, is every officer carries it, you know. The other component is budget. And because of, you know, the mental health benefit to our technology, it allows, you know, agencies to use alternative funding sources to be able to purchase. So it doesn't always have to be internally in the budget. It could be other types of grants that are out there, COPS, JAGS, um, ARPA funding is a great tool, again, because of the mental health benefit. You know, we see, you know, the, the vast majority of our deployments are on someone who is in some form of, of mental breakdown, mental crisis. And so it allows that type funding source. Or then now even we have agencies using opioid settlement monies because of the benefit from recidivism and those kinds of things. So, um, uh, you know, often the deployment of Ebola wrap will prevent, you know, what could have been a crisis or a bad situation from becoming a crime. And, uh, and so, so those are the, the pieces, you know, that we kind of, we, we always have, there's only so much space, you know, there's only so many tools an officer can carry. And it's not our goal to say, hey, we're going to displace all of these other things, but just think about how often this tool would be used, the benefit of the tool, um, you know, from, again, from an injury standpoint, but just from an, an ROI, you know, back to the agency. Lots of reasons why bowler wrap makes sense. Right, right. And to give the viewers or listeners um, an idea, it's probably not much bigger than my cell phone, right? About like a garage door opener size. You, you have one handy there? I don't have one with me. I wish you're I did. Not, but you're I, not carrying I, one with I, you all the no, time? No, I don't, I don't have one. I don't have one in, in, in my office here. No. <laughs> all right. Hey, I'd like to ask you about some training issues, but first I'd like to take a moment and thank our sponsor. Lexapol empowers first responders and public servants to best meet the needs of their residents safely and responsibly. Serving more than 2 million public safety and government professionals in over 8,000 agencies and municipalities, Lexapol offers a range of solutions that includes policies, training, behavioral health resources, news and analysis, and grant assistance services for law enforcement, fire and rescue, EMS, local government, and other agencies dedicated to public safety. To learn more, visit Lexapol.com. That's L-E-X-I-P-O-L dot com. And we're back and I'm speaking with Kevin Mullins from Bola Wrap Technologies. And we are talking about uh, a less lethal use of force, uh, a force that can be uh, an option on your tool belt. What are the issues discussed in training these days, Kevin? It's, you know, training is, is, is paramount. And that's something that we really focus on. We have a whole division within RAP that they focus specifically on training. So we have different training curriculum. And so we have training for, we have a master instructor group. And these folks go through um, typically a two-day course. So two full days of everything understanding about, you know, what the technology is, how it works, when it's used, um, you know, deployment, safety, all of the pieces we would go through. Those master instructors you know, can also allow them to be certified to go do train to trainer. So what we typically see within agencies is we have, we have trainers that uh, are within the agency. They go through a six hour course, again, meeting, you know, all of those standards that you would typically see. And it allows them to be able to go and to train, you know, their officers in the field. So being able to work with those individuals, all of our training platform, um, you know, all of our curriculum has been certified. It's post-certified. Uh, you know, we we constantly update that, and it's something you know we're very proud of with what we've been able to do from a training standpoint. And it's it's again, it's 
it's a lot of the the when to use a volar app and the why to use a volar app and, and how that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And do you do uh, failure drills as well? I was wondering about the capability to fire another round after maybe there's a, a mishap with the first that doesn't mm -hmm. quite take hold or it's a missed shot. Uh, how soon can an officer deploy the bullet wrap again? Yeah, it's just, it's very easy, you know, to how the technology works again. I wish I had one with me, I could show you, but uh, it, it's, it's, uh, it, it's a handheld device. It looks almost like a, like a stud finder. Uh, it's very much designed that it does not look like a weapon in any way. So it, there's no confusion there. Um, it has a cassette. The cassette actually plugs into the device. Um, inside that cassette, there's a microgas generator. You know, the Bolarap 150 is very different than the Bolarap 100. So the 100 was our first generation technology. It was more of a mechanical device. It used a 380 blank. Uh, the new 150 is an all-electronic device. Uh, uses a microgas generator. It's extremely accurate, extremely consistent. So we don't have a lot of misfire issues. Um, I've never actually heard of the device not deploying. So it's something that, uh, you know, we're, we're very careful. The device needs to work every time, all the time. Uh, if there were a situation where, you know, an officer would want to need to deploy twice or want to deploy twice, they simply drop the cassette, pop another cassette in and then deploy it. Uh, we also train multiple officers that you may have a double or a triple wrap. And that's part of training. It's like, I'm going to wrap high, you go low, and then we're going to bola, 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 or wrap, wrap, wrap. And then because it's it's different, it's not like a like a, like a pepper spray, OC spray, or not like an, an electrical weapon, you know, where you can't have multiple deployments on an individual because of fear of, of, of injury or even potentially death. You know, the worst injury I've ever seen with a bola wrap is just a small Band-Aid. Um, so there's a safety cap on the end of those, you know, the anchors that go on the end of the, the Kevlar cord as uh, designed. So it's not going to go through any type, uh, like a secondary layer of skin or anything like that. Yeah. And I've seen it. I mean, if you haven't seen it, it you could wrap the legs, you could wrap the torso, pin the arms down, uh, mm -hmm. multiple uh, types of deployment. And what what kind of debriefing would come after deployment of the wrap? Um, is there a standard set of investigative questions that you ask or um, what's that look like? You know, you know, we try and get as much information as we possibly can. So when we have deployments in the field, we, we, we love to hear that. We want to get the information from it. We want to know like when the device was used, why the device was used. Is it someone who they were in some form of mental crisis? You know, was there a drug issue associated with it? Uh, we want to know demographics on in individuals who've been deployed on. It just data really drives it. It drives what, I mean, it's the best thing for us, kind of understanding, you know, how the device is best used. Um, we have a portal that um, agencies can log into, a secure portal to be able to put that information in. You know, we love to get body-worn video. Um, it means a lot. It just uh, allows us to be able to kind of fully analyze the situation. Um, also, there are cases where, an agency may allow us to use that body-worn video uh, from a marketing standpoint. It's, I can get up and, and tell an agency how great and wonderful our technology is, but kind of seeing is believing most time. And if they see different situations, you know, where the technology is deployed, it builds that understanding of, yeah, I could have used that five times last week, or I could have used this, you know? And so when they see those types of situations, we try and 
you know, and again, encourage agencies. If we have uh, you know, our customers, if they'll give us body-worn video and they'll allow us to redact it, they approve it, and we'll send them a, a case of cassettes. So replacement cassettes for, you know, for that one body-worn camera submission. And then we also have an award program that where we give um, special coins. So special challenge coins from one wrap to five wrap to 10, all the way up to 25. And, and we want to give the recognition and we want the agencies to stand in and give the recognition because of the benefit to it. You know, it's a situation where, you know, an agency where they were able to use a bowler wrap, they were able to de-escalate that situation. No one got injured. And when you think about what the cost is of a use of force, you know, over 50% of the time when a use of force happens, someone gets injured either subject or the individual, or you think about what's maybe associated with a, you know, CEW deployment, you know, that EMS is called in, or maybe a hospital visit. It's two officers going there. It's sitting there all day. And it's all the, the paperwork that become associated with it. You know, with our technology, the cost is only the cost of a cassette, you know, cassettes being deployed and that's it. You don't have all of these other, you know, ancillary costs. And we, we have to look at where, where agencies are. I mean, there's a, a problem, you know, industry-wide is recruitment and retention. You know, most agencies are way down in staff numbers. They're, they're stretched, you know, from what they can, can do and, um, and just from a labor standpoint. So we're able to, you know, if we deploy a, a bowler app as opposed to maybe a higher level or an actual use of force, uh, it allows that agency to be able to, again, not only see an ROI from, from true dollars, but from just, you know, taxing the agency from a labor standpoint. Mm -hmm. Return of investment for sure. Mm -hmm. And the idea, I mean, you just nailed it with uh, the, the objective is to not have the fight, to end the fight before it starts. Nobody's injured, no suspect injuries, no officer injuries. And everyone goes home. Well, maybe one of us goes home and somebody <laughs> else goes elsewhere. Hey, Will we be seeing any kind of data? So you're collecting videos and you're getting reports back on the deployments. Uh, are we going to see something to talk about the percentage of success, uh, how the subject maybe defeated the device or problems with the placement of the target? Uh, anything like that coming out? Yeah, we're becoming a very, very data-driven company. And so, you know, being able to not only, you know, kind of we talk about what the technology is, we show the technology, but we also prove what the benefits are. Um, we have enough data now to go to an agency to say that if you're a new, you know, bowler wrap customer coming on, if you deploy our technology, you know, across numbers of swarm, not, not the whole agency, obviously you have administrative folks and those kinds of things, but about 60% of the agency, we call that a full deployment. Those are officers out in the field. But, but if you deploy to that number over 12 months and you don't see a significant reduction in your use of force numbers, then we'll buy the devices back. And so we believe that strongly. So no one, no one else that I know of in the industry, you were know, off, offering a guarantee that we're going to lower those numbers. So, so you think about what that benefit is and what that cost is. When you look at cost of, you know, um, injuries to subject, injuries to officers, you know, the, the legal fees associated with defending, you know, those excessive use of force numbers and, it, which, which are astron astronomical. Um, you know, even the top 25 agencies over the last 10 years have paid 3.2 billion in use of force claims, excessive use of force claims. So we're guaranteeing those numbers come coming down. And so all an agency has to do is deploy Bolarap. They'll see a significant return on investment, or you know, 
or there's no risk, or we buy the devices back. And the only thing they're out is going to be out some time, but 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 we strongly believe and we know and our data shows that that's something that we can absolutely back up. So so we continue, you know, to put those numbers out there and we'll continue to be more data driven and, uh, you know, being able to, again, not only talk about how great we are, but actually prove it. Nice. Well, hey, thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks for bringing technology. It's long overdue to uh, use of force options. And if it reduces officer injury, suspect injuries, it's it's a great tool to look at and uh, and check it out. Uh, see what the other agencies are doing and how they're using them. Thanks for being on the show, Kevin Mullins, Wrap Technologies. Thank you, Jim. It's great to be here. All right. And to our listeners, check out our show notes. You will see a link to the wrap, the BOLA wrap, and maybe a picture of what one looks like. And uh, yeah, check it out. And let me know what you think of the show. Drop me a line at policingmatters at policeone.com. Yep.